Ernest Hemingway once said, I love sleep. My life has a tendency to fall apart when I'm awake. I'm your host, Leah. <clears throat> I'm Phil. Wake up, Phil. And I'm Steve. Today we'll be talking about hitting the hay, sawing logs, getting some shut-eye, very common yet still mysterious thing we call sleep. If you have an appetite for the strange and bizarre, then pull up a chair and grab a spoon for another intriguing serving of Remnant Stew. Remnant Stew is gluten-free, organic, made from all natural free-range ingredients and guaranteed to provide the recommended daily serving of curiosity. In spite of, of all humanity spending one-third of their lives sleeping, scientists still don't know the exact reason why we sleep. According to sleepfoundation.org, sleep remains one of the most enduring and intriguing mysteries in health science. So I know why we sleep. I'm tired. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, they I, I know that we rest. I can only put up with most of you people for a short amount of time. <laughs> they know that we rest and that yeah, sleep right. does a few things for you. But why so long and, mm -hmm. and what exactly is going on? Well, here's some interesting facts about the drowsy subject from dreams.co.uk. Sleep deprivation will kill you more quickly than going without food. Hmm. The record for the longest time anyone has remained awake is 11 days. And we'll talk more about yeah. sleep dep deprivation later. Wow. Oh, I, sorry. That's crazy. Yeah, Isn't that crazy? Like you can, yeah, you can I, go with, gone, without I've, food. Interesting for, story. I, I've done up 96 hours, but mm -hmm. I have not even tried multiple things mm -hmm. after that. Well, one job in England at the time of the Industrial Re Revolution was to go around and knock on people's windows to wake them up for work. Just the like the wake-up call you can request, request from the front desk of a hotel, which, does anybody do that anymore with, yeah, with their phones? Not, how many clocks? I mean, how many phones and devices? <clears throat> yeah. Right. Uh, they probably do. Well, that phone ring is horrid. That, yeah, being awake. Yeah, being it's, an alarm clock is horrid enough. But yeah. yes, a phone ringing like that is crazy. Mm -hmm. Whales and dolphins. This is really cool. Literally fall half asleep. Only one side of their brain at a time will go to sleep, and the other half remains awake so mm. that they can continue to come up for air because right. they can't yeah. just yeah. sleep and oh, not okay. not yeah. breathe. Yeah, and oh. floating would be a bad thing. Interesting. Yeah. The dreams of people who are born blind and never had sight revolve around emotions, sound, and smell. And deaf people often use sign language in their dreams. That's interesting. Yeah. Around 12%, and I've heard about this, around 12% of people dream entirely in black and white. Before color television was introduced, only 15 people 15% of people dreamt in color. And it's no surprise that older people dream in black and white and more pe more often than younger people. But I find that inter interesting that TV would have an effect. On whether it's on, color or yeah, black and white. Because, I mean, you know, huh. even when you're watching a, a black and white TV, you're living in color. Right. I mean, it's just only a so, small piece of what you're seeing, but... Huh. But I don't know. Like it's running through your head like a movie or like a TV show? I don't know. <laughs> Could be. Um... Ideally, falling asleep should only take 15, 10 to 15 minutes, which that never happens That's to me. Cute. That never, yeah, right? <laughs> well, um, I say it, but Becky's laughing because she says, <clears throat> I will be asleep in less than six minutes when I actually lay down. <laughs> well, okay, so listen, if it takes less than five minutes to fall asleep, you are most likely sleep deprived. Mm hmm. But it doesn't matter to me. If I'm yeah. sleep deprived, it still doesn't matter. It takes at least 30 minutes. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, because I'm thinking of all kinds, and I don't, yeah. I don't have anxiety, but I'm like planning, I'm, I'm plotting a book, I'm making to-do lists, I'm, yeah. you know, I just have a hard time turning off my Straighten brain. it out all, yeah, I can't turn it off. <laughs> yep. Well, one of our biggest sleep distractions is 24-hour access to yeah. the internet. If you're having trouble getting to sleep, try to eliminate all screens, TV, phone, right. computer, for an hour or more before bed. And I know that's hard to do. You got to check your Facebook status or, or your yeah. Instagram right before bed. But I think this is an increasing problem because, um, you know, uh, even when we when I was a kid, the television station signed off the air at midnight, you know, or yep. right after Johnny Carson. That right. was it, you know, and and didn't and come back on again. Awesome so, so, bars. Yeah. All you, all you had was a test screen or yep. just, a, you know, snowy, uh, snowy screen. Um. But everyone needs sleep. 
I've reached the age where an afternoon nap is something I look forward to. There, There's nothing better than yeah, a nap. Really fun, isn't it? Uh, in fact, I was napping before I came over here today. <laughs> I cannot. If I if it's not four hours, if it's not four hours plus, I'm not I'm not happy. Well, we talk about my, later on. We talk about, about micro napping, and, 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 good, and yeah. I can't. Yeah, yeah, I can't sleep just a few minutes, or just I mean, just less than an hour, or less than yeah. really two hours. I was told four. Four is, <laughs> four, four is my minimum. Well, anyway, uh, we started off with a sleep quote. I, I found a few more sleep quotes. Um, from a website called LaylaSleep.com, sponsored by the Layla Mattress com- Company. If you're uh, looking for a podcast, we'd be glad to. Uh, you know, yeah, I mentioned sponsor. that to them when I asked them about permission to quote from them. They they gave us permission to quote. Thank you. Uh, but uh, Stayed yeah, we'll silent see. on the whole sponsor yeah, thing. The, we'll wait on the sponsorship, <laughs> I guess. <clears throat> anyway. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. I remember this, uh, this old comedian named Henny Youngman. He said, if you're going to do something tonight that you'll be sorry for in the morning, Sleep late. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the great author John Steinbeck, you know, Grapes of Wrath, he said, it's a common experience that a problem difficult at night is resolved in the morning after the Committee of Sleep has worked on it. So things look better in the morning sometimes. I agree with that. If you can get to sleep. And let, turn, oh, let me do this next one because I love her. Phyllis Diller. Do y'all remember her? Oh, yeah. she is, Comedian, she's so crazy. Sure. She said, never go to bed mad. Stay up and fight. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, I agree with that. Like, oh, yeah. how can you go to sleep? When you're upset. When you, no, but, on, yeah. but truly, sometimes you need sleep to, like, kind of get over Separation. yourself. So. Yeah, true. Now, I really like this one from Dr. Seuss. You know you're in love when you can't fall asleep because reality it's finally better than your dreams. Oh, I like that. And that's a nice one. That's pretty good. That's a good one. Good yeah. job. Uh, this one's from someone named Jojo Jensen. I don't know who they are, but I, I really like either. this quote. Without enough sleep, we all become tall two-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing. Then I am sleep deprived. <laughs> There's nothing like the terror of a, a, of a toddler that, yep. that has missed its nap. Right. Or exactly. an adult that's missed its yeah, nap. Yeah, true. Right. Or a cranky adult. Cranky adult, right. Now, this is an Irish proverb. I like this one. It says, a good laugh and a long sleep are the best cures in a doctor's book. For sure. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> this is an anonymous uh, quote. It says, I want to be like a caterpillar. Eat a lot. Sleep for a while. Wake up beautiful. Yes. I can do that. <laughs> Our thanks to Danielle Basick, who is in charge of partnership management with the Layla Mattress Company, for sharing those quotes with us. Those are good ones. I have a quote to add. Groucho Marx once joked, anything that can't be done in bed isn't worth doing at all. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> Maybe that's to not sleep. about sleep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Moving along. <laughs> yeah. so it's really hard to function if, you, if you've had just one sleepless night, not to mention having a disorder that makes it hard to ever get a good night's sleep. Right. According to Healthline.com, the five major sleep disorders are... The first one is insomnia, which I think most people are aware of and have experienced at some point. It's the inability right. to fall asleep or remain asleep. And I've struggled with that uh, in, in different areas. I mean, different times of my life. Yeah. Then there's sleep apnea, right. like you have. Yeah, uh, I'll this, talk about it in a minute. Yeah. This is a serious medical condition where you stop breathing in your sleep, which causes the body to take in less oxygen. You also wake up many times during the night and there's a wide range of effects that this has on the body during the day it can affect your heart it can yeah. really affect your heart yeah. and your overall health yeah now within the past uh, year or so i've undergone a sleep study uh, i went into this facility and i was hooked up to an entire spaghetti bowl full of uh, leads and probes <laughs> they, they had them taped to my chest and then my legs and literally glued to my head yep. <laughs> and then they said good night <laughs> you're like wait what so, and how, I mean, what, what happens if you don't go to, because I'm thinking I would never Well, uh, I'll say like it, I'll describe the night as a fitful night of trying to sleep with all those attachments. I was told I had sleep apnea. And so I went through a combination of sinus treatments and a new invention called the Inspire Probe. This was actually installed in my chest and has a little lead oh. run up to a, a nerve at the base of my tongue. And uh, at the night, uh, when I'm asleep, I turn it on. I have a little remote control that turns it on, oh, and wow. uh, uh, at night it lifts my tongue off my airway while I'm asleep, to uh, so that uh, I'm continuing to get uh, 
uh, air going through. So, I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty new. It's only about been out since I think 2014, but I found it really really helpful. Um, anyway, so my sleep is much much better. Um, I'm saying I'm probably getting a thousand percent better sleep than I did before. The sleep apnea is very common. My husband Paul has it. Yeah. And and mm-hmm. he doesn't have the pro- I'm like I'm gonna go home and tell him about that probe thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he started sleeping with a CPAP machine. Yeah, I which, had one of those before, and it right. worked for a while. Well, and so it provides positive pressure yeah. on someone's airway, assisting them to breathe during sleep. And he noticed when he uh, he was really 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 bad. Yeah. Uh, stopping and breathing, like I would hold my breath as long to see if I could hold my breath as long as he quit breathing, and mm-hmm. I could never do it. Um, but when he started using CPAP machines, he's, he noticed an immediate improvement right. in his focus and energy, but this was interesting. He was super amazed at the, the way he could see colors more vividly. Really? Yeah. Like it was, it was washed out before and, and maybe it has something to do with him being slightly colorblind, but it was totally unexpected. <laughs> right. Side effect. I mean, so he's less yeah. colorblind with the sleep. now. Yeah. With yeah. The sleeping well. Right. So next uh, disorder is narcolepsy, which is defined as sudden sleep attacks that occur while awake. This means that you'll suddenly feel extremely tired and fall asleep without warning. You've seen mm-hmm. the goats. The goats. Oh, yeah. That. They're just walking, walking along and the next thing you know, they're out. Yeah. Well, honestly, okay. So a lot of people think that that is sleep paralysis or narcolepsy. It's really not. It's a, uh, they're not asleep. Right. They're just Shocked. paralyzed. Yeah. And yeah. stuff. Um, but the, but narcolepsy may occur on its own. It's also associated with certain neurological disorders, such as multiple sclerosis, and can be very dangerous to drive with and, and operate <laughs> heavy machinery. Ooh, not good. <laughs> the next one is... Riding along in my auto... <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And crash. Restless leg syndrome. Oh, I hate that. Or RLS is something I struggle with. I hate it, too. It's defined as an overwhelming need to move the legs. The urge is sometimes accompanied by a tingling sensation or even like pain in the legs. Yeah. It's RLS is often associated with certain health conditions, including ADHD and Parkinson's. But the exact cause isn't always known. And it does run in families. And I have several family members that have it. For me, it's way worse whenever I was pregnant or when I take certain over-the-counter medications like the active ingredient Benadryl, yeah. which is also in many sleep medications. So yeah. found that out the hard way. Let's take a sleeping pill to go to sleep. And you're I, twitching I all night. And then I can't go to sleep because my legs. Those things that I always say will cause drowsiness never cause, it always cause me to be wide awake. It seems uh, yes, like, I, I'm with uh, you. Uh, there, the no, effect. no, they put but, me, they, they want to put me out, but sometimes yeah. it just, oh, so annoying when I can't get my legs to calm down and finally there's rem sleep behavior disorder which Mm -hmm. i think is the most interesting on the list and probably the most debilitating steve i think you have some stories for us about this one well yeah while i was uh, visiting with the folks at the uh, sleep study facility i asked them to share some of the strange sleep stories they have uh, that they've encountered they had some stories for sure i bet they did yeah uh but they they actually talked about uh, this one especially the rem sleep disorder Now, you're probably familiar with REM sleep. REM stands for rapid eye movement. According to the Mayo Clinic, REM sleep is where you are in your deepest sleep. It's usually associated with dreams and a very still body. You normally don't move during REM sleep. REM sleep occurs usually during the second half of the night. However, there are rare cases when REM sleep goes bad. <laughs> Sounds like a movie. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. REM sleep disorder is a, dis- a sleep disorder in which you can physically act out uh, vividly, often unpleasant dreams uh, with vocal sounds and sudden, often violent arm and leg movements during REM sleep. It's sometimes called dream enacting behavior. Okay, and one of the things that we're going to show on the uh, social media, on Facebook, and I don't know if I could put it on Instagram. It's a video of a dog. I don't know if you've seen this. He's asleep on the the floor in the garage, and he starts running. Right, I've seen dogs running in their sleep before. Well, and this one eventually, well, my dog, like, twitches, but this dog is full out, laying on his side, running. Running, And he eventually gets up, and he runs straight into the wall. So, yes, it's it's funny, but it's kind of unfortunate. Well, that's pretty uh, pretty indicative of uh, some of the REM sleep disorder uh, incidents that I've read about. Uh, with REM sleep disorder, 
um, I'm sorry, with REM sleep behavior disorder, instead of experiencing the normal temporary paralysis of your arms and legs during REM sleep, and usually when you get the REM sleep, your body is just rigid, you physically act out your dreams. The onset can be gradual or sudden, and episodes may occur occasionally or several times a night. The disorder often worsens with time. The Mayo Clinic website lists the following as symptoms of REM REM sleep disorder. Movements such as kicking, punching, arm flailing, (laughs) or jumping from bed uh, in response to action-filled or violent dreams, such as being chased or defending yourself from an attack. Let me just stop there for a second. You know, I've a few times had those kind of dreams where I was being attacked, and I realized in the dream that it's a dream. Because nobody would be doing this to me, you know. <laughs> well, we're gonna. We're, that's called lucid dreaming, and we're going to talk about that. So later. then I decide, okay, I'm going to play with this. I'm going to act like that. I've been shot. Then I'm going to pop up and, and laugh. So anyway, that's what I did in my dream. <laughs> uh, noises such as talking, laughing, shouting, emotional outcries, or even cursing. Being able to recall the dream if you awake during the episode very vividly. You have a very vivid memory of the dream. The website also states that the condition is found most commonly in men over age 50, but also cases involving women are increasing. Uh, It can be associated with certain neurological disorders, such as Parkinson's disease, as well as drug and alcohol use or withdrawal from Mm -hmm. drug and alcohol use. And the website also notes that this condition can result in physical injury to the individual or to their bed partner. Yeah, I bet. I bet. That arm flailing. From abcnews.com, we learned the story of just such a case. Early in the morning of February 20th, 2010, in the Kaiser, Oregon home of Adam Cairns and his wife, Randy, the night silence was broken by the sound of their five-year-old son entering his parents' bedroom, screaming with night terrors from a bad dream. As Randy was getting out of bed to comfort her child, her husband, Adam, uh, husband Adam suddenly punched her in the face three times. <laughs> this was extremely out of character for Adam, as Randy explained to the nine one one dispatcher. Quote, he started yelling at me. I couldn't reason with him, she cried. It was like he was asleep. It was the weirdest thing. He never hurt me in his life. The whole the next thing I knew, Adam was back asleep snoring again. <laughs> Randy Kern said that her husband, who works for the Oregon Department of Human Services, has always been a loving and caring husband and father. He's not a violent man, she said. He's never hurt me or even made me feel afraid. However, after this incident, Adam was arrested and spent three days in jail. After his release, the judge ordered him to stay away from his wife. (laughs) He sought out treatment at the Willamette uh, Sleep Center in Salem, Oregon. Doctors there uh, surmised that he had a primal reaction to his son's screams in the middle of the night. Uh, I've never really actually been able to find a follow-up story if they were able to get back together and right? if he was able to get uh, wow, successfully that's, treated. That's an incredible story. But yeah, it happens. Well, REM sleep disorder was to, to blame for Adam acting that way, and I know you you have more stories on that disorder. But I wanted right. to talk a minute about night terrors, which you know you just mentioned that Adam's son had night terrors, and right. that was what triggered the entire situation. Well, this is a subject I know a little bit about. According to HopkinsMedicine.org, night terrors are defined as a sleep disorder in which a person quickly awakens from sleep in a terrified state. Right. That's not like waking up from a nightmare and still like feeling afraid or having the emotions right. and the feelings of it. It's like being trapped in a nightmare even while awake. The cause is un- unknown, but night terrors are often triggered by fever, lack of sleep, or periods of emotional tension, stress, or conflict. <clears throat> night terrors are often experienced by children for unknown reasons. Right. But it's it's known that night terrors are inherited, meaning the condition can run in families. They occur in 2% of children and usually are not caused by psychological stress, but being overtired can be a trigger. Yeah. So my middle son, Sam, he had night terrors as an elementary-aged kid, as elementary school-aged kid. Right. And I think I still have PTSD from it. <laughs> I mean, listen, he would wake up in the middle of the night screaming as if he were being murdered. And I, I say wake up in quotations because he was, it seemed like he was awake, and he, but he really wasn't. You could, it, it was like he was caught in a nightmare even while con- conscious. We could interact with him. Yeah. But he would still be seeing whatever it was in his nightmare, like his bed being on fire. Oh, wow. And, and one night I had caught a couple of lightning bugs and put them in a jar and put them in 
his room and he shared a room with his brother Joe so that they could like watch him as they fall asleep. Well, he woke up in the middle of the night just just screaming and being wakened by your kids' screams right. yeah. is, is horrible. It's... But he thought he saw the blinking light and thought it was a bomb that was about to explode. Oh my gosh. And one time he he woke up absolutely terrified because his pillow was blue. Which it was blue. It had a blue pillowcase. And my husband was exasperated. He grabbed the pillow, ripped the pillowcase off and goes, here. And Sam would go right back to sleep <laughs> immediately and never remember it the next day. Wow. Never remember it. Uh, yeah. um, Sam, so so this was, I mean, this was terrifying and exhausting to yeah. me and my husband. I'm sure Joe hated it too. <laughs> Brother. <laughs> but we finally realized that the asthma medication that Sam was taking was causing this. And oh. we switched the daily dose from the nighttime to the morning and it took care of it. But most people don't most. It's not that, yeah, not yeah. It's not that simple. Right. And kids just have to outgrow them. Right. Well, as noted earlier, REM sleep uh, disorder um, usually involves men, but increasing cases involving women are being noted. An article from the National Institute of Health details the story of a young woman who was having a very vivid dream of using a public restroom. <laughs> she noticed a peeping Tom looking at her through the cracks in the partition wall, and she yelled at him. Then as she saw him running away, she decided to jump on him. She awoke to the sound of her body crashing through the glass top of her bedside table. Oh. She sustained several cuts. Oh, and my goodness. Oh, no. Wow. Now, from watermarksilverchair.com, we find a study of a case in which a murder may have occurred during REM sleep disorder. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, <clears> actually, <throat> the, well, there's a couple of them. Yeah, I've there's heard of a couple one. of them. <clears throat> On uh, December 26, 1993, the defendant, a 37-year-old Pittsburgh man, uh, a laborer, fatally shot his wife. The police were first notified to the incident after 2.15 a.m. on the night of the shooting from a 911 call made by the defendant. He claimed that he went to bed that night at 1.15 a.m., and the next thing he remembered was being awakened by the sound of a gunshot. On awakened, he realized that he had shot his wife. He stated that she had gone to bed over an hour earlier than he had. Transcripts of the 911 call revealed that the defendant had clear senses at the time that he made the call giving complete information to his name and address. He admitted during the call that he must have shot his wife. He claimed amnesia. At first, this apparent uh, appeared to be a case of REM sleep disorder. However, upon further investigation, it was learned that the man had been abusive in the past uh. to his wife and children, as well as previous partners. He was also a heavy drinker, consuming as much as a case of beer every two days. Oh, wow. It was also learned that the wife had written a note to a friend claiming that she was planning to take the children and leave her husband after the holidays. At the trial, the jury found the defendant guilty of first-degree murder with a mandatory sentence of life in prison without parole. Newspaper interviews with the anonymous jury members after the trial suggested that from the outside of, outset of the case, they did not seriously consider the defendant the defense so the defendant may have shot his wife accidentally during his sleep. Oh, so, okay. So, so he, he was, was trying just to trying use to use to, it. But yeah. but have you heard of Ambien, the the sleeping pill Ambien? Right. There's a of couple yeah. of incidences like this from people that have taken Ambien and I can, you know, I took it once when I was uh staying in the hospital. Uh they gave it to me and it was crazy. Yeah. Like that is I've some weird that. stuff. During it, the eighties they used it a lot and I think they had some real negative uh, reactions, I think, to it. Yeah. And, and and it works differently on different people. Sometimes, you know, some people can just take it and it be just fine. Some people have really weird episodes with it. Right. And there's a couple instances out there that we didn't cover because we've we've got a lot to cover. So <laughs> One last sleep disorder that I feel like we have to mention is called exploding head syndrome. Well, how could we not? <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, come on. yeah, how can we not talk about that? If you're going to go, go big. Right. So according to clevelandclinic.org, exploding head syndrome is a type of sleep disorder in which you hear a loud noise or explosive crashing sound in your head. The sound isn't real and it's not heard by anyone else. The episode typically happens very suddenly, either when you're just beginning to fall asleep or when you wake up during the night. So it's kind of like in that in-between stage. Uh -huh. Even though it has a name that sounds painful, exploding head syndrome is painless and won't kill you. 
We no. hope. <laughs> At this point, no. <laughs> Most individuals who experience EHS describe it as an explosion in their head or hearing sounds like gunshots. Sometimes they hear. Sometimes it comes with uh, seeing lights or whatever, but it right. sounds like a gunshot, thunder, or some other really loud noise. And it's, that's very scary. So it's not a synapse misfire. Right. <laughs> but can you imagine, like, especially if you live in a sketchy area, right. waking up to that, thinking that, that you heard gunshots. Um, yeah. So, but there, it's, other, it's pretty much harmless. It's scary, but it's harmless except for disturbing your sleep. And now for something completely off topic and off kilter. Brace yourself for the oddity du jour. Okay, so for today's oddity du jour, it's about a man named Michael Dick. He's a retired carpenter living in Bow East, London. Several years ago, his first marriage disintegrated, and he and his wife got a divorce. It was a very nasty divorce, and so Michael had no further contact with his ex-wife after that. Unfortunately, he lost contact with his daughter, Lisa, as well, who was 21 years old at the time of the divorce. Fast forward 10 years to when Michael was semi-retired. He was happily married with two stepdaughters he very much loved, but he started to miss his first daughter, Lisa, and, and regret it, losing contact with her, so he decided he wanted to try and find her. The only thing he knew to do, though, was to go to the house he used to live in with Lisa and his first wife, a house that they continued to live in after the divorce. Right. Michael, along with his two stepdaughters, Shannon and Samantha, traveled to Sudbury, they pulled into the driveway, and he le- left his stepdaughters in the car while he went up and nervously knocked on the door. The person that answered the door, though, wasn't Michael's ex-wife or his daughter. There, it was another family living in the house, and they had mm-hmm. no idea how to help him, but they wished him well. Right. So he came back to the car. Michael talked with Shannon and Samantha, and the three of them decided that the only other thing that they knew to do was to put an ad in the local paper in the hopes that Lisa would see it. And so they made their way to the local paper and spoke to a journalist there. The journalist convinced Michael to let him do a small story on the search for Lisa instead of just placing an ad. Okay. He had Michael and the two girls step outside into the street where they he took their picture together. And in the next edition of the newspaper, the the picture and the story about Michael's search for his long-lost daughter was printed. But it was, it was like several pages in because it's not front-page news. It's kind of buried in the paper. Yeah. So it was a long shot. Well, Lisa, now 31 years old, married, and she had three kids of her own, had actually started thinking about the dad that she hadn't seen in so many years. She thought she might go looking for him so that she could have a relationship with her dad and her kids could meet their grandfather. Right. She didn't know where to start, though, so she was kind of in the same boat as, uh-huh. as her dad. She looked on social media, but he wasn't on there, and Lisa was at a loss of what to do next. Then one day at work, Lisa went into the break room and saw a copy of the Suffolk Suffolk Free Press newspaper. She began flipping through the pages, and she stopped when she saw a picture of herself. Oh, yeah. Let me freak out. There was was a candid shot in the background. There's a candid shot where in the background you can see Lisa and her mother. They were walking down the street in Sudbury during a recent trip Lisa had made to visit her mom to actually talk about her dad. Uh, about trying to find her dad. Hmm. Lisa didn't recognize the other people in the photo, but when she read the caption below the picture, she couldn't believe it. The photo was of her father and her two stepsisters. And her mom and, and the her... daughter were in the background? Yes. That's awesome. That's yes. Amazing. And the story was about <laughs> him look looking each for other. her. Yeah. Yes. That's funny. And we'll have this picture. We'll have this picture. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's, so on that's the only, cool. yeah, the only day that Lisa had recently been in, I mean, she didn't live there. Yeah. Right. She had gone to visit to, Talk about finding her father. Right. And she was just feet behind him. She's just a few feet behind him. <laughs> um, Lisa read the article and reached out to her father, Michael, who, when he heard the story, he, he thought it was a scam. Right. He thought oh, she was uh, scamming no him. Yeah. Um, but eventually she was able to convince him. And uh, the unlikely story about it being in, in his photo was true. And that, and so then Michael drove to Sardbury to meet his grandkids for the first time. And to this day, they're still in each other's well, lives. That's, that's oh, wow. a great story. That is yeah. a good story. Okay, let's talk about dreams. All right. <laughs> WebMD.com says there's many theories on about why we dream, but no one knows for sure. Because it's fun. Why not? It is fun. Some researchers say dreams have no purpose or meaning. You got nothing else to do Others, while you're underneath while you're sleeping. <laughs> Others say we need dreams for our mental, emotional, and physical health. And I actually 
I think I read an article lately and I didn't put it in here that uh, some researchers think that you have to have dreams in order to cement memories. Like right. There's something going on about dumping out old stuff or thing, you know, short term stuff that you don't need and cementing the long term. My daughter would replay her day. Really? In while her head? dreaming. Mm-hmm. And sometimes uh, when she was younger, she'd speak it. No. Oh. Like she'd have the conversation over again <laughs> backwards from oh. what was the most, most recent, recent conversation to the back. first conversation of the day. That's but funny. it's in backwards order. It was pretty. It was pretty funny. Well, according to sleephealthfoundation.org, we do know that everyone dreams whether they remember the dreams or not. Because a lot of people go, right. I don't dream. But no, that's not true. You do. You just don't remember it. Most dreams happen during uh, REM sleep, which right. occurs in short episodes across each night, about 90 minutes apart. Our longer dreams are in the morning hours. The meaning behind dreams, or even if they have meaning at all, is something that no one can actually agree on. Freud had a lot to say about oh, dreams. Oh, yes. And yeah. everything had a sexual no, uh, nature right. to really? it. But some scientists say that dreams are nothing more than our brains playing around with the memories we've stored up. Basically, the brain taking a break while our bodies rest. They say if you picture a person that this is interesting to me, and I don't, nobody knows if this is really true or not, but they say if you picture a person that it's a stranger in your dream, then you have actually have met that person or someone that looked like that person at right. some point in your life because your brain can never just invent someone you've never seen before. Hmm. At the other end of the spectrum, a lot of people insist that dreams have helped them deal with and work out internal conflict. And and I believe that because I've, I've actually yeah. worked out problems uh, in my dreams. There's a, an urban legend that says if you die in a dream, then you actually die in real life. This has been proven wrong as plenty of people have dreamt of their own death. And I've yeah. I've never dreamt that I died. But I had a dream of uh, a loved one that had recently passed away, and I was just, like, hanging out with them. And at some point with hanging out with them, I realized they were dead. And so me being able to see them, I was dead, too, and it freaked me out. <laughs> I woke up. <laughs> but I didn't die in my dream. The ancient Romans and Greeks put a lot of importance on dreams and believed that dreams could contain messages sent directly from the gods uh-huh. or from deceased loved ones, and even that dreams could tell the future. They went to great lengths to cultivate to to cultivate prophetic dreams right well while we're researching about dreams i came across this really bizarre story of a man named mike uh i'm sorry mark liblin mark liblin l-i-b-l-i-n yeah and he was french when mark was six years old he lived with his family in the foothills of the vosges mountains in eastern france He was a bright and intelligent boy, which set him apart from the other kids. So he didn't have a lot of friends. (laughs) Over the course of several nights, again, when he was six years old, Mark had dreams in which he was taught a strange and unfamiliar language. As an adult, Mark still struggled to fit in and lived on the fringe of society. He had always been known around town as a boy that was fluent in a completely unknown language that was taught to him in his dreams, a language that no one knew if it was truly a language or just gibberish. Right. He probably should have kept that to himself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, probably. Well, there are your dreams, yeah. But it's good that he didn't because two researchers from the University of Rennes heard about Mark and became intrigued. They wanted to decipher and translate his language. So for two years, they fed the strange sounds he made into computers, but was never able to match it to a known language. Finally, they got the idea to consult the various sailors on shore leave to see if they had heard anything like it. So (laughs) to the bars and taverns they went, taking Mark with them. In one particular bar, Mark gave a monologue in his special language when the barkeeper recognized the tongue as something he had heard in his travels when he was in the Navy. He said it was spoken on one of the most remote Polynesian islands. And on a stroke of luck, he knew a local elderly lady that spoke that language. Oh, wow. So Mark and the researchers met with a Polynesian woman named Maratuini Maratuini Maki. It forever changed Mark's life. Mark greeted her in his special language, and she answered him straight away in the same language. Oh, my goodness. All along, the language that Mark had learned in his dreams as a young boy was an old Rapa dialect of the lady's island homeland. Interesting. Mark finally found someone who understood him. He went on to marry the lady. I think there was a huge age age gap, but he found somebody that understood him and and accepted him. He went on to marry her and in 1983 left with her to move back to her homeland where his language was spoken. 
That's crazy. <laughs> and, and I found several places that this this uh, story was. It was all kind of in the same, um, written in the, exactly the same way. So it might right. be anecdotal. Uh, I I think I mean he actually existed and this actually happened, but to the extent of how that much he understood the right. language. Yeah. Yeah. But regardless, he got this language from his dream, not from you yeah. know. But how fluent he was is up for debate. I got my right. information from WorldDreamBank.org in an article written by Judith Shalansky, who also wrote a book containing this story. It's titled Atlas of Remote Islands, right. 50 Islands <clears throat> I've Never Set Foot On and Never Will. <laughs> I don't know what that's about, but that's that's where the story is. Interesting. Okay, so we mentioned earlier that, that you guys know about lucid dreaming. Um, being able to recognize when you're dreaming is called lucid dreaming. Right. It's to become aware that you are in a dream and then you can control the way the dream I is I love it when out. that happens. Okay. <laughs> it's so it much seems fun. like a cool <laughs> adventure. Um, according to medicalnewstoday.com, lucid dreaming has been used in a variety of ways to help people uh, out. Okay, so one of the most widely used applications of lucid dreaming is to help with nightmares. If you can recognize that what you are facing is a dream, a figment of your own imagination, then you can choose to fight and conquer it. The possibilities in the dream world are endless. You can give yourself superpowers or the ability to fly. And being able to gain control in a nightmare situation usually puts the end to recurring nightmares. And that's a lot of the ways that re- that lucid dreaming happens by accident right. is when mm-hmm. you have recurring dreams and then you're like, oh, yeah. I'm dreaming because this is what my dream's about. I've and, seen this before. And that's I've happened to me. Before. Yes. And yeah. that happened to me. I had a recurring dream and I had, uh, I was like, hey, I dream about this all the time. This must be a dream. Mm-hmm. But I didn't even try to fly or anything. It was kind of a mundane dream. Oh, I dreamed that I could. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't get. I, I, I dream I can fly. Like I'm just running and take off flying. It's so I, much fun. I love that. And, I, you know, why didn't I try that? <laughs> um, people can also explore their phobias with a lucid dream so being able to face a spider while you cannot be hurt helps a person to gain control over their fears this you know what this makes me think of it makes me think of the boggarts in in harry Harry potter Potter. and Mm -hmm. jk rowling's harry potter uh where the they take the form of a person's worst fear and the way to fight a boggart is to imagine it as something absurd or funny and i wonder if if she was thinking of lucid dreams when she created the boggart yeah There's a variety of ways you can actually train yourself to become lucid while you dream. One of the ways is a reality check. So have you ever heard the phrase, pinch me to see if I'm awake? Right. Um, Turns out that's valid. You can make it a habit to do a simple routine several times a day where you tell yourself, if I'm dreaming, this will not hurt. Mm -hmm. And then pinch yourself enough to cause discomfort. Like don't like cause a bruise or anything, (laughs) you know, something that you can feel and it's not comfortable. Um, and if you do this often enough and create it as a habit, you'll eventually do it in your dreams where it won't hurt and you'll go, hey, then I must be dreaming. And so that's that's one way to enter into uh, lucidity. Steve, did that work for you? Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it doesn't have to be pinching. Like some people have a rubber band. You know, oh, they pop it? They pop the rubber yeah. band. It's it's whatever. It's just creating a habit to do a reality check. Y'all remember the uh, TV show from the 90s called Northern Exposure about the yes. doctor that goes to Alaska? <laughs> yes. yes. There was one episode where there was some atmospheric uh, oddity that caused everybody in the town to have each other's dreams. Oh. <laughs> to share. The, <laughs> the great was, episode. That sounds around. like. Twin Peaks they or something. Having, they were having <laughs> dreams, but they were somebody else's dreams and not their own. This never happened to me. <laughs> well, there's other ways you can also induce a lucid dream, like keeping a dream journal or setting an alarm to wake you up at night or at a time when you're most likely in REM sleep. Mm-hmm. Then you're hopefully able to fall immediately back into REM sleep while keeping in mind that you're about to dream. Doesn't happen. So <laughs> you guys out there, try it and tell us how it, how it works for you. The worst is having a really good dream and then realizing you have to go to the bathroom. So you've got to so wake up and, wake go, up and you can never go back and restart right? the dream that, from where that, you left off. You know? Yep. That to be continued is yeah. still sitting there. Wait a minute. I'll be right back. <laughs> nope. Well, some people lo- use lucid dreaming in order to induce creativity. Salvador Dali did something similar. Instead of lucid dreaming, though, he worked to take advantage of the hypnagogic hypnagogic state. Spell that. Hypnagogic. It's H-Y-P-N-A-G-O-G-I-C. Okay. 
hypnagogic. Yeah. It rhymes with logic, but it's not. Uh, that's a place where you hover between being awake and being asleep, floating at the very edge of consciousness. You know, like it is when you're falling asleep and your mind starts dreaming a little before you're totally unconscious. Definitely okay, yeah. obvious in his paintings. Right. <laughs> that's right. Like if he's a surreal painter. Absolutely. And, and so, yeah, it totally looks like a fever dream. Um, <laughs> so when you're in this state, you may see visions and hallucinations, hear noises. Some people hear their name. Right. Or, or other uh people speaking or whatever, and some feel physical sensations. So Salvador Dali was convinced that this is where his inspiration came from, and yeah, it looked like it. Yeah, um, so. The way he would do this was to wait until he felt like he needed to, to take a nap, and he would sit upright in a chair with a bowl in his lap and hold a key in his hand over the bowl. He was very specific on which okay. chair and which bowl and what kind of key. All right. But uh, the key was hold- held over the bowl, and as he fell asleep, it would drop the key, which would hit the bowl and make a startling sound and startle him awake. And so then he could just keep creating that process and, and so take advantage of of. Over being and over. in that, yeah. yeah, being in that state and getting inspired and having images that, of course, he would later paint, like melting clocks. Um, he called this slumber with a key and was convinced it was a source of his artistic inspirations. He claimed to have learned this trick from a capuchin, from capuchin monks, not monkeys, as well as capuchin monks. Yes. And recommended it to anyone who worked with ideas, claiming that the micro nap re- revivified, revivified, revivified that's now quote, that's a term, that's his term, the quote, physical and psychic being. But don't think that, that this uniquely strange artist was the only one who did this. According to openculture.com, where I got this information, many visionaries such as William Blake, John Keats, and Samuel Taylor Coleridge have made use of waking dream states as sources of inspiration. Okay. Both Beethoven and Wagner composed while half asleep. So oh. there you go. You want to be creative or innovative, give this key method a try, but video yourself doing it and send it to I'm us. I'm just right. saying that's probably not morning people. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, you know, how many creative artists and everything are morning people? Right, like exactly. they're all night people. I still like the term revivified. I think revivified. That'd be good for a new energy drink. <laughs> revivified. Be revivified. You know, we really appreciate all of our listeners. And if you really enjoy podcasts, here's another one that you might be interested in. If you like weird and strange history as much as I do, then I have the podcast for you. I'm Jason Horton, host of Strange Year. Each episode, I break down the strange history and cultural happenings during that year, like 1977, the Wow Signal, 1963, Three Tramps Theory, 1844, the Millerite Movement, 1997, the Phoenix Lights, 1896, the Shortest War, 2004, Benjamin Kyle, 1518, the Dancing Plague, 1985, the Move Bombing, 1972, Remote Viewing. So to get your weekly weird history fix, pause the podcast you're listening to right now and subscribe to strange year wherever you listen to podcasts well now let's go a little bit different direction and talk about some sleep studies uh, there have been a lot of different studies done on the effects of sleep deprivation has on a person's focus performance and overall health it is one of the uh, Dangers, I think. It's really odd to me that doctors are trained in uh, in hospitals where sometimes they have to experience sleep deprivation. Right, right. And nurses and, yeah. and everything, they're expected to go for so long. Anyway, from Inc.com, Inc.com, we find a terrific article by Melissa Chu uh, about a sleep experiment. You see, back in December of 1963, a San Diego high school student named Randy Gardner decided to stay awake for 11 days. He wanted to break the previous record of 260 hours. So 11 days would be 264 hours. He would break the record by four hours. The experiment was originally for a high school science project. However, a Stanford University professor named William Dent learned about Randy's experiment and offered to help out. Oh, wow. The first day, Randy woke at 6 a.m. and had a relatively normal day. By the second day, he was he had trouble focusing on his surroundings and recognizing objects. On day three, he became grouchy and I started bet. slurring his speech. 
By day four, he imagined that he was a professional football player. <laughs> Lucid dreaming. Right. The following day, Randy was having a difficult time staying awake. The nights were the hardest. It, uh, to make sure that he didn't fall asleep, Dr. Dent and Randy's friends stayed with him and kept him involved in board games, shooting baskets, and other activities. There seemed to be no drugs, or, sorry, there were to be no drugs or stimulants involved, not even caffeine. Ooh, wow. Yeah, that's, that's hard. Yeah. I can't That's also one called day. withdrawals. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In order to make sure he was not harming himself, Randy had regular hospital checkups. Physically, he was doing okay. Mentally, though, he was getting more confused and forgetful. He even began having hallucinations when he imagined things that weren't there. But finally, on January 8th at 2 a.m., people cheered as Gardner broke the previous record of 260 hours. Uh, he spoke to journalists. I think he waited four hours later to six in the morning. He spoke to journalists. He had a checkup. Then he went to sleep for 14 hours and 40 minutes. <laughs> um, he, he, is, wo- he woke up and remembered none of this. He is still alive today, uh, alive and well. He says that he sleeps on a reasonable, uh, regular sleep schedule. He isn't the time to pull type to pull all-nighters anymore. Wow. Now, you might have heard of this story of the Russian sleep experiment. According to menshealth.com, the story goes that the Soviet-era scientists created a stimulant which they believe would enable soldiers to not require sleep for up to 30 days. Wow. They decided to test their new gas on five prisoners, promising them their freedom upon completion of the experiment. They locked the five men in a hermetically sealed chamber and began pumping pumping in the gas. Within a few days, the men were exhibiting the kind of paranoia and psychosis that is typical symptom of sleep deprivation. But as time went on, they began to act even more strangely. <laughs> Fifteen days into the experiment, when scientists could no longer see the men through their thick glasses of the chamber or hear them through the microphones, they filled the room with fresh air and unlocked it. There they discovered that one of the men was dead and the four surviving test subjects were all sporting horrendous violent injuries, some of which appeared to be self-inflicted. Attempts to sedate the men were either unsuccessful or led to their deaths the moment they lost consciousness. Finally, when one of the researchers asked what exactly these men had become, the last surviving test subject told him that they represented the, the potential for evil that exists in all human beings, which is usually contained by sleep but had been unleashed by their constant wakefulness. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty frightening story. Yeah, that's not good. But it's not true. <laughs> yeah, I'd heard it before. It's a complete urban legend that was promoted by the website Creepypasta uh, that's dedicated to telling creepy made-up stories. However, it does pull a bit from history. Um, in 2020, a terrific book uh, called Blitzed, Drugs of the Third Reich by Norman Oler, O-H-L-E-R. That's a great title. That is awesome. Yeah. (laughs) And it has nothing. Yeah, it's not not as cool. Uh, It detailed the use of amphetamines, not only by the German soldiers, but by Hitler himself. Hitler believed that these drugs could free him and his soldiers from the need for sleep. In May of 1940, French and British soldiers were entrenched along France's common border with Germany. Oh, they had, met, they had built up a, a, a dandy fortification system called the Maginot Line. It was concrete, reinforced, and everything. Uh, they were expecting a, 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 an invasion. Uh, they thought they were prepared. And the invasion came, but not where they were expecting it to. Hitler had actually had his soldiers literally amped up on amphetamines and sent them through the Ardennes Forest, uh, through neighboring Luxembourg and Belgium, and then pouring into France, completely going around the French and British soldiers waiting at the common border. The German soldiers were so amped up that many reported they didn't sleep for days as the invasion unfolded. They were in Paris before the French were even aware of the invasion. Uh, the German soldiers reported that for the first few days they felt great. But after a time, the effects of sleeplessness uh, set in, and then they had trouble maintaining their focus. This fogginess appears to have allowed many of the now-trapped British and French soldiers to make their way to Dunkirk and escape to England. We read that in one of our early episodes, the story of uh, Dunkirk. Hitler was known himself as having very strange sleep patterns. His personal physician physician would freely prescribe him all the amphetamines that he asked for. 
This thus uh, amped up, he would hold staff meetings until well after midnight and then insist that his officers and staff join him in watching movies until as late as four <laughs> in the morning. He would then sleep until around 9 a.m. or later sometimes. Strict orders were given not to wake him. On the morning of June 6, 1944, Hitler was sleeping and no one dared to wake him to inform him of the Normandy invasion. As the war dragged along, Hitler's staff began to notice that his behavior became increasingly erratic. He would insist that his officers move regiments that did not exist into battle positions. He showed no regard for the well-being of his soldiers. By the end of the war, he was a mere shell of his former self. Mm. So thus amped up on uh, amphetamines uh, didn't work out well for Hitler or for Germany. Uh, you know, I, I love sleep. I absolutely love sleep. But you can't help but think if you could do without it, you could conquer the world. You would have so yeah. much more time to, <laughs> to do whatever you need it to do. On the other hand, cats sleep 70% of their time. That's right. You know, they yet, do. yet if I could be an animal, I'd be a cat. You know, they look so <laughs> comfortable when they're sleeping. And now it's time, boys and girls, for the trivia challenge. Well, time for that trivia challenge now. You know how this works. Like and follow our Facebook page, at Remnant Stew Podcast. Like and share this episode post. Put your answer to the trivia challenge question in the comments on that page. The first person to do all that will be the winner and will be the mentioned in an upcoming uh, episode of Remnant Stew and have perhaps a pair of socks coming their way too. That's right. So what's the question today, Leah? Okay, you know I love legend and lore. Do you remember the Sandman? Uh-huh. The story goes that he would put sand in children's eyes to help them fall asleep. Mr. One, Sandman. And, yeah, and so he's always been a like a, a benevolent. Happy yeah, a happy yeah, guy. Happy. However, one creepy version of the story is that he would steal the eyes of children who refused to go to sleep. Oh, there's <laughs> and listen, the other side any, of the coin. Anything to get the kids to go to sleep already. Right. <laughs> But our trivia challenge question is about some other mythical characters that were created by an American writer, but with Dutch influence. According to my stepdad in West Berlin during the the 1950s and 60s, these characters would appear on television around 7 p.m. at night to signal that it was time for children to go to sleep. Who were they? Oh, wow. Oh, I did not know that. Interesting. Hey, y'all. Thank you for spending time with us on this episode. Check us out on Facebook or Instagram at Remnant Stew Podcast. You can also send us an email to say hi or suggest another topic for another future episode at staycurious at remnantstew.com. We want to hear from you. Remnant Stew is created by me, Leah Lamp. Dr. Stephen Meeker and I research, write, and host each episode, along with commentary by our audio producer, Philip Sinkfeld. Theme music is by Kevin McLeod with voiceover by Morgan Hughes. Special thanks goes out to Judy Meeker and Harbin Gold. Now, before you go, please hit the follow button so you won't miss an episode. Head over to Apple Music and leave us a review. We love seeing those reviews. Woo-hoo. Share Remnant Stew with your friends, your family, your sleep specialist, and that sleepwalking cousin of yours. <laughs> Until next time, remember to choose to be kind and, and always stay curious. curious.